America was founded predominantly, not exclusively, but predominantly by Christians who wanted to build this Christian nation on the foundation of God's will. And furthermore, these men believed that the future success of our country depended upon our fidelity to the Christian beliefs. And that's why we can say, though it's politically incorrect to do so, we say without hesitation or apology that America was founded as a Christian nation. In 2018, Robert Jeffers, a megachurch pastor at First Baptist Dallas, Fox News commentator and talk show host, and evangelical advisor and supporter of President Trump, delivers an impassioned 45-minute sermon titled, America is a Christian Nation. Turns out, the support of that cheering congregation is not isolated. In December 2018, Winthrop University in South Carolina conducted a poll in 11 southern states about attitudes and differences among voters. And one question had to do with the subject of Jeffers' sermon. When pollsters asked adults to indicate whether they agreed or disagreed with this statement, America was founded as an explicitly Christian nation, pollsters discovered 51% agreed, while 37% disagreed. And at the heart of the question is the intent of the founders. Welcome to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm your host, Umbreen Khan. Each week, we explore how beliefs shape our world. In this episode, we take a closer look at the religious beliefs and attitudes of the founders. We are revisiting my conversation with Catherine Brakus, a professor of the history of religion in America at Harvard University. We kick off our conversation with a question about the Christian beliefs of the Founding Fathers. To say that the Founding Fathers identified as Christian is, I think, a little bit of a simplified version of their beliefs. So, first, when I'm talking about the Founders, I'm talking about the major figures like Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin. There are some historians who, um, when they're speaking about the Founders, they speak more broadly about, for example, all the delegates to the Constitutional Convention. And there, I think you find a huge diversity of belief. But I think the the most striking thing about the founders is that most of them had been influenced by Enlightenment ideas. They were well-educated men, elite men, and they were not traditional Christians. Many of them belonged to churches. George Washington, for example, went to an Anglican church. But they had an understanding of uh, God that was more like what we call deism, the idea that there is a creator, but the creator is somewhat removed from everyday life, as if God is, is a clockmaker who sets the world in motion and doesn't usually interfere, for example, in response to personal prayer. So most of the founders, as elite men of their age, 
were influenced by the Enlightenment, and they were certainly not what we would call today evangelical Christians who believed that they'd had a born-again experience or who viewed the Bible as um, literally and absolutely true in every word. It was interesting to me that you highlighted prayer. Sounds like if you're a deist, prayer is not something you would often invoke. Well, some of them did. So this is interesting. Um, I think the founders were uh, conflicted about whether God would answer individual prayers or not, um, or whether God had a plan for the world that humans were participating in. One of the most famous examples of a founding father turning to prayer is Benjamin Franklin, who at the time when there were debates about the Constitutional Convention and the delegates seemed to be deadlocked, he suggested that perhaps they should start with a prayer every day and ask God for help. Uh, this was somewhat out of character for Franklin. That particular story about Franklin calling for prayer has been a story that's been repeated by some of the people today who claim that the United States was founded as a Christian nation. I think of somebody, for example, like David Barton. Some of those uh, uh, contemporary Christians have argued that Franklin's call for prayer was a sign that the United States was, in fact, founded on Christian principles, um, and they claim that it was because Franklin was calling for prayer that God, in fact, intervened and that all of the dissent that characterized the Constitutional Convention was resolved. And there are some members of the Christian right today who would say that the Constitution is an inspired document, that it was inspired by God, and so that it has the same kind of status as the Bible. Um, what they don't usually tell you is that when Franklin suggested that the Constitutional Convention open with prayer, that his motion was tabled, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, it never actually happened. But there's a moment of you know somebody, Franklin, who seemed to be skeptical in some ways, falling back on some traditional beliefs at a, a moment when he thought the nation was, was really um, in, in peril. As a historian, when you, you've looked at the religion of the Founding Fathers, how, how do you assess the claim that you just cited, that the United States was founded on Christian principles and is a Christian nation? So I think it's important to distinguish between saying that at the time of the Revolution and, and the founding of the Republic, that most Americans were Christian, and the claim that the United States was founded as a Christian nation. Um, the first part is absolutely true. Most Americans in the 18th century, if they define themselves as religious at all, would identify their religion as some kind of actually Protestantism, not even Catholicism. The term Christian was really a synonym for Protestant in the late 18th century. The term Christian nation suggests something more, um, as if the nation was founded to be officially Christian or that Christianity should enjoy special political and legal privileges. That clearly is not what the founders envisioned. But they did understand that most Americans at the time the nation was created were um, uh, were Christian in, in terms of their identification. 
you say with a tr- certainty that that's not what they intended. How how is that reflected in the work that they did and in the founding documents? So the key text is the First Amendment. Um, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. This was really dramatic. It was it was suggesting that um, people were free to believe anything they wanted or not to believe. The second part of the First Amendment says um, that Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise of religion. So this is the other piece. Um, the founders wanted people to be free to practice any religion that they wanted, um, and they wanted to make sure that people were free to practice their religion in a nation that didn't privilege any particular church over another. So one of the famous documents from uh, from the founding period is George Washington's letter to Jews in Newport, uh, which he wrote in 1790, where he assured them that they would always enjoy liberty of conscience, that in the new nation they were not going to be discriminated against. So when I say that America was not founded as a Christian nation, it's these kinds of documents that I'm thinking of where the founders were very careful to create a system in which religious freedom was um, highly valued. What do we know about the public and private religious beliefs of some of the early presidents? Many of the founders, even though they believed in God, they were not certain that Jesus should be understood as part of the Trinity. The Trinity meaning that God is three in one, uh, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Adams denied the Trinity, and he denied the divinity of Christ. So he thought Christ was an admirable figure to be emulated, but he did not think that Christ had been God. Um, This, of course, put him outside of the pale of most Christians at the time, who, who would have said, in fact, that Jesus is, um, is part of the Godhead. So this is, this is one of the reasons that I say that when, when you hear contemporary Christians suggesting that the founders were uh, deeply Christian, it overlooks the fact that one of the core tenets of Christianity, the belief in the divinity of Jesus, was not held by many of the founders. When Franklin was pressed on the question about Jesus, um, who was Jesus, um, uh, he gave a funny response. He, he wrote, It is a question I do not dogmatize upon, having never studied it, that sounds unlikely, and think it needless to busy myself with it now when I expect soon an opportunity of knowing the truth with less trouble. <laughs> so he was, he was close to death, and so he says, soon I'm going to know whether... Um, Jesus is divine or not, but I've never really thought about this very much, and I'm not going to trouble myself. You can tell that the founders were um, aware of the fact that their beliefs in many cases were out of step with the majority of Americans, who, or at least many Americans. Uh, this, this is a tricky question just in terms of what did Americans believe at the time of the founding? Church membership rates were not very high. Maybe 20% of the population was going to church. But I think um, what makes this a difficult question is even if people were not attending church regularly, they were surrounded by 
Christian messages. Most people learned how to read by reading the Bible. But I, I think the reason that Franklin, Jefferson, Adams uh, were all reluctant to say too much publicly about their beliefs is that they knew that um, some members of the American public would be scandalized by their questions about the divinity of Jesus. As a historian, um, looking at this chapter in, 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 our, in our nation's history, how did the Founding Fathers debate slavery? And what is it and how is it that, that religious beliefs played into that debate? There were uh, significant debates about the morality of slavery within Christian churches in the late 18th century. Some denominations, for example, the Methodists and the Baptists, were initially against slavery. Um, You know, in the 1780s and 1790s, they were uh, suggesting that their members should free the slaves. But they eventually had to make a choice, and they had to choose whether they wanted to be pure and resist slavery, in which case their churches would have been quite small, or whether they wanted more power and um, they wanted larger churches, and uh, they thought they would be able then to affect change through their power. And so both the Methodists and the Baptists in the South ended up Uh, supporting slavery. I think we can see within Christianity today the ongoing effects of that. Most churches are still segregated. Uh, Whites and blacks worship separately, and there is, I think, still in many Christian churches uh, a refusal to reckon with the the sin of slavery in the 18th and 19th centuries. That was Catherine Breckis, professor of the history of religion in America at Harvard Divinity School. Up next, we look at the faith of the presidents as the United States descended into civil war and then tested its growing power abroad. This is Inspired. We'll be back after this break. Stay with us. Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. 